Today, it's kind of an interesting subject. We're going to talk about romantic relationships today. <laughs> romantic relationships, this is a subject that takes up a lot of our headspace, right? In our, in our daily lives, our personal lives, but we don't speak on it often enough. I want to talk specifically today about dating. I want to talk about dating. Now, as soon as the word dating comes up, like everything gets complicated in our head because today in this auditorium, there are three different types of people that I'm talking to right away. That, number one, people who are single and not committed in a dating relationship at all. People who are single and in a committed dating relationship, just not married. Or the third group is people who are married, but maybe have stopped dating each other. And let me, uh, let me, let me say, please hear me clearly, uh, this is not saying you have to date. Nobody has to date. <laughs> the, as your pastor, I don't, there, there's nobody can, should force you into that world. Uh, 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 the, the scripture teaches that when you choose not to get married out of respect for him, there's a huge blessing on that. A bunch of you single people are praying not to get that blessing, but I understand that. <laughs> but, but that's what the scripture says. It says there's a real blessing on that when you do it out of honoring God. And so, but if you do want to date, this is a message on how to get, navigate the complicated world of the dating thing. And I'm going to talk about how to date from a biblical perspective, okay? This is tricky to do because culturally, we live in a a society that's so different than the ones from the scriptures, but here's what I believe. There are foundational principles all throughout the scriptures that apply to our lives in the 21st century, and that applies to dating. So if you're, if you're single, this is a guide to how to date well. If you're married, you better keep dating your spouse or you may end up single again. There are five rules. I'm going to give you five rules for dating. But the good news about these rules is they're so expansive. They really do help in, in other areas. And so, so, which I believe you need a healthy, honest process to get to know a person that you're going to marry. A healthy, honest process to get to know the person you're going to commit to and give your life to for the rest of your life. And so let's look at a, a love story in the Bible today. See what we can learn. I'm going to teach you from the book of Ruth. And I love this book. There's loss in this book. There's death in this book. There's romance. There's redemption. There's rebirth. All in this short little book. I encourage you to take time and read it this week. The book opens with this line. Here's what it says. In the days when the judges ruled. Here the author is saying that the, these are the same dark and devastating days of the book of Judges. The book of Judges is filled with pain. It's filled with uh, repentance from God's people because they keep going off track. They keep resisting God. They, they, they keep going into areas of, uh, uh, where they've been told not to go and things not to do, and they, they just can't help themselves, and it's, it's a lot of chaos, and there's a lot of loss in the book of Judges. There's tension, and there's transition. <laughs> chaos, loss, tension, transition. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? But here's what the scriptures tell us through this book is that 
there's something that we need to discover about the goodness of God and the beauty of relationship, even in the midst of pain and hardship. Sometimes, now just, just to pause here, sometimes we, I think, tend to believe that following Jesus means we get to avoid all the pain. And in fact, sometimes um, we think that this is the purpose of our faith, is to get rid of all the pain. And, and I, I wanna challenge that today because you see, the cross of Jesus, where Jesus died, the cross isn't a symbol that removes my pain, it's a symbol that gives purpose to my pain. What Jesus did on the cross, he endured for us, that's for sure. But we didn't sign up to follow Jesus because it was easy. We didn't sign up because it was easy, we signed up to follow Jesus because it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So as God's people, it doesn't mean that we have any less trouble that comes our way than the world around us. You realize that Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. Some of you know that verse. So, but that, but what it does mean, what it does mean, even though, even though we're still gonna have trouble like the world around us, what it does mean is that any trouble that I will have, I'm gonna be a lot more prepared because of his word and his wisdom and the wonder of his presence in my life. I'm gonna experience comfort and insight. I'm gonna experience ways in which I can process that pain in a healthy and powerful way to then cause perseverance to be revealed in my life. And that perseverance begins to change my character and then character, what Romans 5 says is character when it's settled, when you get character settled, that brings hope into your life. And that's what Jesus brings. This is our hope. And it all comes down to the question, it all comes down to the simple question, will we trust him? Even in the middle of the chaos, even in the middle of the loss, even in the middle of the, the difficulty that we're experiencing. And in this story of Ruth, this is an overarching purpose of the author, to show that God is trustworthy. Everybody say that word? trustworthy. When we trust God, he rewards us with life and rewards us with life-giving relationships, right? Jesus is the most important relationship, and once you settle that, he leads you into other powerful, meaningful relationships, and that includes romantic relationships. Everybody say, yeah. So I want us to look at the, at the story of Ruth who found herself unexpectedly widowed. Her husband and his brother both died, and suddenly life took a terrible turn for Ruth. You see, Ruth had one picture for her life, right? She had a vision for where her life was to go. She said to herself, I'll be married, I'll live happily ever after, and I'll pick out the perfect couch on Pinterest. Sometimes we get fixated on what our vision of life is. But now she's a widow, her mother-in-law is a widow, and she's in a dark and desperate place, and it would have been natural for Ruth to look for someone to partner up in life with, someone to date. And the reason this was a big deal is because in those days, being a widow was a very vulnerable thing. It meant, it meant you weren't protected, it, went, it meant you weren't 
um, provided for. And so it would have helped her both practically and romantically to get married again. In fact, her mother-in-law, Naomi, she said, she said, you, this is a paraphrase, you gotta go find a man. <laughs> Download Bumble and get to it. Get married and live happily ever after. That's what Naomi said. But listen to what Naomi actually says and how Ruth responds in Ruth chapter one, verse 15. She says, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Ruth responds to her mother-in-law, who's also widowed, and essentially says, I am literally your ride or die. (laughs) She she knows that Naomi needs her because she's in trouble, and Ruth knows she needs Naomi. So this becomes the foundation of the story as it unfolds. One of the greatest love stories in the scripture. She has a trusted, Ruth has a trusted voice in her life, which leads us to the first point, the first rule. Number one, find trusted voices in your life. Write it down, young people. Find trusted voices in your life. Write it down, old people. Find trusted voices in your life. (laughs) Listen, as I've gotten older, I've realized I still need trusted voices. But specifically, when you're dating, do you have someone to honestly process who you should be dating? This is such a tricky subject, isn't it? Should I tell him that she's a witch with a bee? I didn't say it. Should I tell her should I tell her that, that nobody likes her boyfriend? Right, like, like this, is the, this, is, this is so tricky. You, so here's, here's another question. If you're married, do you have someone to process how you are loving your wife or husband well? Do you have someone you can talk to about that and that you do talk to about that? Not just anyone, but someone of real character, someone that you admire. I I always look for mentors in my life who are doing something better than I am. Somebody who's investing better than I am, somebody who's pastoring better than I am, who, who I can learn from, married couples ahead of me. I always want married couples in my life who are about 10 years ahead of me so they can tell me how to handle what I'm going through. I can ask them, how did you get there? Listen, you can read books, I love books. Leaders are readers, okay, I love books. But listen, there's nothing better than a human to help you walk through trouble. Ruth admired Naomi because she was looking out for her best interest. Naomi was looking out for Ruth. And so Ruth committed and admired Naomi out of that commitment she wanted to make to her mother-in-law to walk with her. And she wanted to take care of Naomi because it was the right thing to do. Listen, community and a true friend is what we all need. Community and a true friend or a, a family member is the foundation of this story and I think it's the foundation of all of our stories and we need to include those people in my life, now, in our lives. Now, sadly, as a young man, I didn't have good mentors. I went to college, my parents had divorced when I was 17 years old and I, I ended up in a mess in college. 
I ended up being attracted to every girl that walked around the college campus. It was, I was kind of a mess. I, I was a mess in my head. I was a mess. And, and, and I've shared kind of Amy and I's love story. We have, a brilliant, we have a brilliant dating story in college, and I've shared it before, but here's the short version. I was an idiot. She was amazing. That's pretty awesome. The, the, long, the longer version is I was traumatized by my parents' divorce and couldn't commit. I couldn't figure out how to make a commitment. I was scared. I, I, I lived in fear, and yet I, I wanted a partner in life, but um, it, came, it came to a head one moment. We'd been through a lot of stuff, and I was really kind of an idiot, and she finally wrote me a letter. Uh, it was like mail, you know, like a stamp, like for all of you. It was like she, you know, she wrote it with her hand, and then she, she, the Pony Express delivered it to me, and and I, and I, and I, um, and I started reading. I still remember. I remember where I was. I opened that letter, and there it was, and it was a dear John letter. I was like, "Who's John?" No, just kidding. I it was it was a dear Ross letter, and it and she essentially said in that letter. You're an amazing person, but what's going on here is not godly, and I don't want you to call me anymore, and I don't want you to write me anymore. She always says, I cried when I wrote it. <laughs> so I spent, I spent a summer working through a lot of my issues, and, and, and I gained a mentor post-college, but she was finishing her senior year. And so I started, when I received that letter, I remember starting to strategize to win her back. <laughs> now, gentlemen, let me just clue you in on something. When a woman says, don't call me or write me, the first thing you don't do is call her. So many guys I know do this. Or, or girls do it too. Don't call me, don't text me. Oh, well, I got to talk to her. Hello, you're going to prove that you don't get what's really going on. Pull back, pray, trust God, ask him for his insight, and then ask some others that you respect. That's what happened to me, and I ended up making a plan, going to Tulsa where she was finishing her year, I rented a beautiful red sports car, and I took her horseback riding, and I actually wined and dined her. I made this little, like, what was it? Like, a, like what? It was a booklet. I can't get the word right. It was like a journal. It was, it was, a, it was a man's journal, only, made it, only I made it look like a girl. It looked like a girl's journal, and I wrote in it. And about all my feelings, and, and, and I ended up asking her to marry me in front of 4,000 people in an ORU chapel one day. To which she said yes. But it, listen, it was a long and winding road. And that's what dating is sometimes. Often it's a long and winding road, and you need to be careful. You need to be careful. You need people to speak into your life. Let's look at the, the next chapter in the story, Ruth 2. Verse two, it says, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. This is a way to connect to uh, a, a community 
uh, dynamic that's happening. There's the harvest is happening. Everybody's involved in it and finding a person who might be interested. So this is your local uh, hangout for dating <laughs> in this day. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. Oh, so many of you know the story. Who was from the clan of Elimelech? Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. They answered, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does this young woman belong to? Boaz was like, hey neighbors, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Oh wow, who's this little firecracker? (laughs) Who is that, Ruth? Ruth, verse 6. Verse 6, come on, go with me. The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. She was a hard worker. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And wherever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? This is really a, a cool love story that's beginning to emerge. But it's a little foreign for our context. This isn't Ruth saying, I think you're cute too. That's that's not what's happening here. This is Ruth fighting for her life and safety. This is is, uh, uh, the key here to finding the right person a lot of times, I think, number two rule, is you need to be attractive. And this is whether you're single or married. Okay, so some of you are like, what does he mean by that? Is he saying I'm ugly? No. If you think about what the word attractive means, are you guys enjoying this yet? It's kind of fun. Attract, attraction, right? Is it, attractive is an ad, ad, adjective. Oh. Having, here's what it means. Having beneficial qualities or features that induce someone to accept what is being offered. That's an interesting kind of way to think about it. There is this archaic idea in dating that I think we should discard. I bought you the lobster dinner, therefore you better dot, dot, dot. <laughs> no. Stop it. Gross. Like, like, I got two big issues with this. Number one, who likes lobster that much? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Number two, number two, that's not love. That's not love. This is not love. Gestures with strings attached create unhealthy patterns in relationships. This is true if you're dating or if you're married. You, you, thank you, babe. You use anything. I don't know exactly why she's amening right there, but whatever. <laughs> here's, the, here's the truth. Yeah, later we're going to talk about that. So... Listen, here's the truth. Love is sacrificial. It's always sacrificial. It is never self-serving. 
It never can be. It's the very antithesis of the definition. We know this from 1 Corinthians 13. Look at it. It says in verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is a powerful verse. Now, one of the secrets that I learned was put your name wherever you see the word love in that passage. Ross is patient, Ross is kind, Ross does not envy. Go through the whole thing and start working on the first one. I heard a guy say that. I started working on patience and he said, I'm still working on the first one. <laughs> If you're dating or married, if you love someone, stop doing things with a quid pro quo. This is not a business transaction. This is not a tip at Starbucks. This is I care about you and I want to do something kind for you. And I don't care if there's anything in it for me. Was Boaz attracted to Ruth? Yes, it's in the story. But in his first step in the attraction was just to take care of her. That was his first step in the attraction. Not to get something from her. He, took, he gave her something. His action says, you are safe and you're okay. If you're doing, if you're, uh, doing this, this dating thing, it's really, sometimes it's very difficult. You just get into this thing and you're hoping for something and it's easy to kind of throw things out there with strings attached so you can figure it out. If, if you're dating someone, do kind things with no strings attached because... The other way is creepy. <laughs> Don't make it overly creepy doing kind things either. Only a little creepy. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, do something kind. And it's so, sometimes it's, it, in our culture, it's so rare to see people doing kind things that they will, like, not know how to handle it. That is true but this is who we are as God's people. Say and do things like, you seem like you were having a bad day. Here's a gift card with a handwritten note. If you're married, same thing. Do kind things with no strings attached. Bring flowers when it's not Valentine's Day. Pay for her to, especially when it's not Valentine's Day. Pay for her to have a night out with her friends. Send him to the game with his buddies. Just do some... A lot of you guys are going to be having conversations after this message, so <laughs> do something nice to give and not to get. Let's pick the story back up in Luke 2, verse 10, all right? Are you still with me? At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He recognized something about Ruth. Number three, rule number three, find someone with good character. Good character. Be attracted to someone, sure, but that attraction must be rooted in who they are, not in how they look. Maybe not just in how they look. 
He picked her because he saw the way that she was treating her mother-in-law. He probably said to himself, Thanksgiving's going to be so nice because she's going to be nice to my mom. She is a woman of character. She did the right thing and she was faithful. That is who you should be attracted to. And this is a little bit weird. Be attracted to their character? How does that work? How do you know if someone has good character? How do you know? It's often, most often, best known by actions, not words. I met Amy, and one of the things that pushed me over all my fears and pushed me past all my issues from my past was I looked at her and I said, I want my kids to grow up and be just like her. She has the kind of character I want my kids to be like. If you're dating or even married, serve, here's, okay, shameless plug, serve on team one together. See how they handle it. (laughs) Be in a small group together. See what happens. Be in a place where you have to serve and give something and see how they respond. It's a great litmus test, both for dating and marriages. Like, let's, let's be selfless. If you're married, remember what you're attracted to in the first place. I talk to so many people who come into my office and they're at the end of the line and they can't recall how attracted they were just a few years ago to each other. They forget. Remind yourself of why you started this in the first place. Ask yourself, how can you still possess those qualities? Can you change? Sure you can. Don't lose yourself, but you can change. Don't let the the hecticness of life make you lose the spark that's supposed to be inside of you and inside of a relationship. If you've lost it, find it. Ask friends, pray, fight to get it back. That spark of love and your character is the thing that matters. Continue the story in verse 14. Coming to the end, it says that at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. That was out among the other, uh, out external part of the harvest field. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. He's doing special stuff for her. He's providing for it in a special way. But more than that, number four, rule number four, create space for real conversations. That's what Boaz does. He's creating opportunity at dinner. He's creating opportunity to follow up. He's creating real, uh, a safe space for real com- con- conversations. Notice how he looks for a moment to get to know her better. Notice he was bold enough to ask her and then he made a memory at the end of the day by making sure she had what she needed and telling the men to take care of her. Dating means creating space to get to know someone else. What matters to you? What brings you life? What stirs you? What, what, what is your biggest fear? What's your greatest passion? What do you hope for in life? Falling in love is an, a never-ending archaeology project. It really is. I can tell you today, 
my, Amy and I have been through tough times and, and good times. I love this woman more today than I ever have. And there's things that I don't even know about her and she doesn't know about me. We keep discovering and we're getting old. And, and I'm telling you, it's because if you treat falling in love like an archaeology project, you'll keep finding really awesome treasures. That was a nice saying. <laughs> Do stuff together. Take long walks and talk about the movie you just saw. Pa Paddleboard until the sun sets on, on the lake. Make a craft and paint together. These are activities and experiences cause conversation and you get to know each other. Is dating complicated? Yeah, but it could also be fun. Make it fun. Don't make it so serious. Too much pressure. Here we go. Ruth 3, verse 1. One day her mother-in-law Naomi said to Ruth, my dear daughter, isn't it about time I arranged a good home for you so you can have a happy life? And isn't Boaz your close relative, the one whose young women you've been with whom young women you've been working, maybe it's time to make our move. <laughs> this is the message translation, and I did it on purpose because I think it describes it a little bit better. Um, uh, what was really happening behind the scenes. Tonight is the night of Boaz's barley harvest at the threshing floor, which was a big party. Take a bath, put on some perfume, get all dressed up, and go to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until the party is well underway and he's had plenty of food and drink. And when you see, this sounds like it's going a bad direction, right? <laughs> but it's not. When you see him slipping off to sleep, watch where he lies down and then go there. Lie at his feet to let him know that you are available to him for marriage. This was something that was done, and it was a signal in those times. Then wait and see what he says. So here's, here's what's happening. Boaz is being amazing. He's taking care of her. He's doing all this stuff. Ruth is really taken by his kindness. Naomi realizes how kind this man is. And remember, point one, right? Ruth, Ruth trusts Naomi, and he, she tells her, this is the right guy. And if you're married, hey, if you're married, the question to ask is, how can I save this relationship? How can I, how can I save it? How can I change? How can I change, and how can I change the way this relationship is working? Which means, number five, be faithful and honorable. Be faithful and honorable, no matter what. Let's follow the story and see what happens. Ruth 3, verse 7 says, Then he went off to get some sleep, lying down at the end of a stack of barley. So it's not like there's anything weird going on here. Everybody's uh, ha had this party. She, they, they find a place to, to sleep. Ruth quietly followed. She lay down to signal her availability for marriage. And in the middle of the night, the man was suddenly startled and sat up. What in the world? <laughs> I, I, love, I love this. This woman asleep at his feet. He said, and who are you, she said. It's dark. She, he doesn't know. He says, I am Ruth, your maiden. Take me under your protecting wing. You're my close relative. In other words, she was in the same clan as Boaz. He says, you're my close relative. Uh... And who are you? Oh no, you are my close relative and you know in the circle of covenant redeemers, you do have the right to marry me. He said, God bless you my dear daughter. What a splendid expression of love. And when you could have had your pick of any of the young men around 
And now, my dear daughter, don't you worry about a thing. I'll do all you could want or ask. Everybody in town knows what a courageous woman you are, a real prize. There are times we must look at the metaphor of this story. If you're dating someone, don't break into their house and fall asleep at their feet. This is a cultural thing that was happening, and it was very open. It was not lurid or anything in any way. Don't wake them up and scare them to death in the middle of the night, is what I'm saying. But you see, in every step of the process, Ruth is looking for a way to show that she is faithful and she is honorable. But Boaz is looking to do the same thing. They're both trying to be honorable in their courtship. They're both trying to be honorable as they're meeting each other and they're working together to figure out is this something that God is doing? And I don't just mean faithful in not cheating on each other, all right? As, although that's foundational. I mean someone who will not take advantage of you for their own de- devices. Someone who won't prey on your weaknesses. Someone who won't just see your vulnerability and kind of stomp on it. Instead, they will be faithful and honorable in lifting you up. You do realize that all marriage is about unlocking the other's potential. What, God, what potential has God put in that person and it is my role as a spouse to unlock it, to help serve it, to, crea- to help create opportunities for it to be revealed. And so, uh, because we're, we all want someone who's faithful to treat us with respect, don't we? Listen, we all, we all, we all want someone to, faithful to check on us when we're having a bad day, don't we? We all want to, someone who's faithful to hang out with us when they have better options. This is love. The consistency and faithfulness so that when you find someone like that, you hold on to them. And if you don't have someone like that, here's what you need to do. If you don't have someone who is faithful, consistent, and honorable, here's what you need to do. Start with being someone like that. Whether you're you're married or dating, start with being someone like that. Just close your eyes right where you are and bow your heads and I wanna lead you in a prayer. And that, this prayer, now I want you to, as your eyes are closed, I want you to listen to me. Because nobody can do what I've just described, these five things. Nobody can do this by their own willpower. The world is full of brokenness. People wounded by their past and they bring their past into the marriage and then the marriage breaks. This is a reality in the culture we live in. Listen, it's very clear that we need help to do these things. Love has to start somewhere. There has to be a source. The scriptures teach us that God is the source of love. And God's love was demonstrated by Jesus himself. You cannot have a great marriage if you don't have a source of love that is greater than yourself. It's really hard. I want you to embrace the idea today all over this room. And some of you, You've kind of been walking through a process and you're discouraged either with your, your dating record, you've made some major errors and major mistakes. I want to pray for you today. I want you to receive the forgiveness of Jesus 
the provision that he makes for you so that you don't have to. You don't have to live under guilt. You don't have to live under the hurt. You don't have to live under the brokenness of your past and be that past dominating your current relationship. You don't have to live like that. Jesus can heal you. He can touch your heart and make it different. You may still have to go to some counseling. You still may have to do some stuff, but Jesus can heal that heart, your heart, and make it new again. I also want to pray for some of you who are married and you're kind of coming to the end of the road. You, feel, you can see it. You feel it. You just feel like the marriage is so broken. I am telling you, I've seen it over and over again. I've seen lots of marriages break down, but I've seen so many get a miracle from God. And here's what happens. Here's how the miracle starts. One person decides that they're going to be faithful and honorable. That's how the miracle starts. I know marriage is complicated. I know things are, are difficult. That's why we're doing this series. But listen, God has a plan and a purpose for you. And he wants you to be faithful and honorable to him. And when you do that, your other relationships start to fall in line. So that's why I want anyone here who is not, does not have a relationship with Jesus to consider today really receiving him into your life. There's a whole bunch of you, I think, in this room who need to recommit your lives to Jesus because you've just been wandering. You've been wandering, doing things you shouldn't do, and it's affecting your marriage, it's affecting other people in your life. And I want to lead you in a prayer that commits your life to Jesus himself. So all over this room, all over this room, if, if any of those three things describe you, any of those three things I just described, I just want you as an act of faith to raise your hand right now. Just shoot it up in the air. Yep, yep, I see it all over the place. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. This is the moment for this. Shoot your hand up in the air and say, yep, I need Jesus more than I ever have. Yes, I need healing in my marriage. Yes, I need freedom from my history and I need to do it right. All right, put your hands down, come on. I want you to stand up with me. Everybody stand up together. And let's pray. And I want you to stick your hands out, kind of in a posture of, of letting go and a posture of receiving. All right, everybody all over the room, come on, let's, let's pray this prayer. H Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's in the room. And we just bring our hearts to you and we say, Lord, we're sorry. Forgive us. We repent of how we've mistreated others, how we've tried to get stuff for ourselves, how we haven't been a person who loved others well. We've been so consumed with selfishness. Forgive us. We start there. Jesus, we invite you into our lives in a way that we haven't before. Or maybe we're coming back to you, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. So Lord Jesus, we receive from you today your love and forgiveness. We repent of how we've been acting and we wanna start over. We wanna start new, we wanna start fresh. We wanna start with you. Have your way in us. All over the room, just say, have your way, Jesus. Say it one more time, have your way, Jesus, so good. And now I pray in the name of Jesus for married couples all over this room, we agree together in prayer with the authority of Jesus for healing, for restoration, for redemption, for the healing of brokenness and the history that has, has unfolded because of outside entities or maybe inside the relationship, it's just been so hurtful. I pray, Lord, that you would 
give each married couple humility this morning, a sense of your love and grace and mercy poured out in them so that they could pour it out towards each other. I pray for great conversations today as, as, as we leave this place between married couples that there would be a miracle that they could put their hands to, that they would lift their eyes to you and that they would open their heart for that miracle to come inside each of them. Help them each to be faithful and honorable. We thank you for this. We thank you for how you're touching us and leading us today. We look to you for everything and we ask you to lead and guide our lives and our relationships and our dating relationships and our marriages. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.